You're listening to a Glassbox Media Podcast. We're thrilled to team up with Acoustic Sheep for a special giveaway. One lucky listener will win a pair of sleep phones wireless, the ultimate sleep headphones, plus a whole year of premium ad-free episodes from I Can't Sleep Podcast. To enter, just follow at Sleep Phones and at I Can't Sleep Podcast on Instagram. Tag your friends in the comments. Each tag counts as an entry, and there's no limit to how many times you can tag. Don't miss out on your chance to enhance your nightly routine with sleep phones and a year of serene listening with our podcast. I'll list the details in the show notes, and all the information you can find about the giveaway will be on Instagram. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the I Can't Sleep Podcast where I read random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. I'm your host, Benjamin Boster. Today's episode is from a Wikipedia article titled, Travel. As more people discover the benefits of fasting, including weight loss, enhanced mental and physical performance, and improved gut health, the challenge often lies in the daunting prospect of not eating. That's where Prolon comes in a groundbreaking plant-based nutrition program that nourishes your body while tricking your cells into thinking they're fasting. Developed over decades at the University of Southern California's Longevity Institute and supported by top U.S. medical centers, Prolon is designed to maintain healthy blood sugar levels, support cardiovascular health, and help reduce abdominal fat. However, Prolon is not just a diet. It's a science-driven approach rooted in Nobel Prize-winning medical research. The journey with Prolon begins with a five-day regimen of snacks, soups, and beverages, all crafted to sustain a fasting state. Choosing a nutrition program can be daunting, yet Prolon would be at the top of my list for its convenience, scientific backing, and effectiveness. It's no surprise that thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon to foster healthy blood sugar and cardiovascular health. Right now, Prolon is offering I Can't Sleep listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash I can't sleep. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash I can't sleep for this special offer. That's prolonlife.com slash I can't sleep. And thank you to Prolon for sponsoring the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Travel is the movement of people between distant geographical locations. Travel can be done by foot, bicycle, automobile, train, boat, bus, airplane, ship, or other means, with or without luggage, and can be one way or round trip. Travel can also include relatively short stays between successive movements. 
as in the case of tourism. The origin of the word travel is most likely lost to history. The term travel may originate from the old French word travail, which means work. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the first known use of the word travel was in the 14th century. It also states that the word comes from the Middle English travelin, which means to torment, labor, strive, journey, and earlier from Old French travailer, which means to work strenuously, toil. In English, people still occasionally use the word travail, which means struggle. According to Simon Winchester in his book, The Best Traveler's Tales, 2004, the words travel and travail both share an even more ancient root, a Roman instrument of torture called the tripolium. In the Latin, it means three stakes, as in to impale. This link may reflect the extreme difficulty of travel in ancient times, Travel in modern times may or may not be much easier, depending upon the destination. Travel to Mount Everest, the Amazon rainforest, extreme tourism, and adventure travel are more difficult forms of travel. Travel can also be more difficult depending on the method of travel, such as by bus, cruise ship, or even by bullock cart. Reasons for traveling include recreation, holidays, rejuvenation, tourism or vacationing, research travel, the gathering of information, visiting people, volunteer travel for charity, migration to begin life somewhere else, religious pilgrimages and mission trips, business travel, trade, commuting, obtaining health care, waging or fleeing war for the enjoyment of traveling, or other reasons. Travelers may use human-powered transport such as walking or bicycling, or vehicles such as public transport, automobiles, trains, ferries, boats, cruise ships, and airplanes. Motives for travel include pleasure, relaxation, discovery and exploration, adventure, intercultural communications, taking personal time for building interpersonal relationships, avoiding stress, forming memories. Travel dates back to antiquity where wealthy Greeks and Romans would travel for leisure to their summer homes and villas in cities such as Pompeii and Baie. While early travel tended to be slower, more dangerous, and more dominated by trade and migration, Cultural and technological advances over many years have tended to mean that travel has become easier and more accessible. Humankind has come a long way in transportation since Christopher Columbus sailed to the New World from Spain in 1492, an expedition which took over 10 weeks to arrive at the final destination, to the 21st century when aircraft allows travel from Spain to the United States overnight. Travel in the Middle Ages offered hardships and challenges, though it was important to the economy and to society. The wholesale sector depended, for example, on merchants dealing with or through caravans or sea voyagers 
end-user retailing often demanded the services of many itinerant peddlers wandering from village to hamlet. Chirovegs, wandering monks, and wandering friars brought theology and pastoral support to neglected areas. Traveling minstrels toured, and armies ranged far and wide in various crusades and in sundry other wars. Pilgrimages were common in both the European and Islamic world and involved streams of travelers both locally and internationally. In the late 16th century, it became fashionable for young European aristocrats and wealthy upper-class men to travel to significant European cities as part of their education in the arts and literature. This was known as the Grand Tour and included cities such as London, Paris, Venice, Florence, and Rome. However, the French Revolution brought with it the end of the Grand Tour. Travel by water often provided more comfort and speed than land travel, at least until the advent of a network of railways in the 19th century. Travel for the purpose of tourism is reported to have started around this time when people began to travel for fun as Travel was no longer a hard and challenging task. This was capitalized on by people like Thomas Cook, selling tourism packages where trains and hotels were booked together. Airships and airplanes took over much of the role of long-distance surface travel in the 20th century, notably after the Second World War where there was a surplus of both aircraft and pilots. Air travel has become so ubiquitous in the 21st century that one woman, Alexis Alford, visited all 196 countries before the age of 21. Travel may be local, regional, national, domestic, or international. In some countries, non-local internal travel may require an internal passport while international travel typically requires a passport and visa. Tours are a common type of travel. Examples of travel tours are expedition cruises, small group tours, and river cruises. Authorities emphasize the importance of taking precautions to ensure travel safety. When traveling abroad, the odds favor a safe and incident-free trip. However, travelers can be subject to difficulties, crime, and violence. Some safety considerations include being aware of one's surroundings, avoiding being the target of a crime, leaving copies of one's passport and itinerary information with trusted people, obtaining medical insurance valid in the country being visited, and registering with one's national embassy when arriving in a foreign country. Many countries do not recognize driver's licenses from other countries. However, most countries accept international driving permits. Automobile insurance policies issued in one's own country are often invalid in foreign countries, and it is often a requirement to obtain temporary auto insurance valid in the country being visited. It is also advisable to become oriented with the driving rules and regulations of destination countries. Wearing a seatbelt is highly advisable for safety reasons. Many countries have penalties for violating seatbelt laws. 
There are three main statistics which may be used to compare the safety of various forms of travel. Backpacking is a form of low-cost, independent travel, which often includes staying in inexpensive lodgings and carrying all necessary possessions in a backpack. Once seen as a marginal form of travel undertaken only through necessity, it has become a mainstream form of tourism. While backpacker tourism is generally a form of youth travel, primarily undertaken by young people during gap years, it is also undertaken by older people during a career break or retirement. Backpacker tourism generally, but does not always include, traveling via public transport, using inexpensive lodging such as hostels or homestays, and other methods of lowering costs. A longer duration trip when compared with conventional vacations. Working in other countries for short stints, depending on work permit laws. It can also be undertaken by digital nomads, people who work using technology while living a nomadic lifestyle. A search for authenticity. Backpacking is perceived not only as a form of tourism, but as a means of education. Backpackers want to experience what they consider the real destination, rather than a packaged version often associated with mass tourism. A desire to take part in or craft a narrative around traveling. People have traveled for thousands of years with their possessions on their backs, but usually out of need rather than for recreation. Between 3400 and 3100 BCE, Otzi the Iceman was traveling in Italy with a backpack made of animal skins and a wooden frame, although there are some thoughts that this may actually have been his snowshoes. In the 7th century, Zhuangzang, a Chinese Buddhist monk, traveled to India with a handmade backpack. In the 17th century, Italian adventurer Giovanni Francesco Gemelli Carreri was likely one of the first people to engage in backpacker tourism. The modern popularity of backpacking can be traced, at least partially, to the hippie trail of the 1960s and 1970s, which in turn followed sections of the old Silk Road. Some backpackers follow the same trail today. Since the late 20th century, backpackers have visited Southeast Asia in large numbers. A 2018 study of over 500 backpackers conducted by researchers at Sun Yat-sen University and Shanxi Normal University in China and Edith Cowan University in Australia showed that for Westerners, backpacking leads to acquired capabilities like effective communication decision-making, adaptability, and problem-solving, all of which contribute to an increase in self-efficacy. And for Chinese backpackers, acquiring skills like time and money management, language development, stress management, and self-motivation provided the biggest increase in self-efficacy. Mark Hampton of the University of Kent, writing for The Guardian, argued in 2010 that for many low-income communities in the developing world, 
the economic benefits of hosting backpackers outweigh their negative impacts. Since backpackers tend to consume local products, stay in small guest houses, and use locally owned ground transport, more of their expenditure is retained in country than in conventional mass tourism. Backpacker tourism of the hippie trail has been criticized for possibly encouraging urban liberal minorities while insulting Islamic traditionalist theology, possibly leading to the Islamic reawakening in the late 1970s. Even though one of the primary aims of backpacking is to seek the authentic, the majority of backpackers spend most of their time interacting with other backpackers, and interactions with locals are of secondary importance. Backpacker tourism has been criticized for the transformation of some sleepy towns, such as the creation of the Full Moon Party on Koh Phangan in Thailand, which includes scores of topless teenagers urinating into the ocean. Flashpacking and poshpacking referred to backpacking with more money and resources. The words combine backpacking with flash a slang term for being fancy or posh, an informal adjective for upper class. Begpacking combines begging and backpacking in reference to individuals who beg, ask directly or indirectly for money, solicit money during street performances, or vend, sell postcards or other small items as a way to extend their overseas travel. The trend has drawn criticism for taking money away from the people in actual need, with one known begpacker barred from entering Singapore. Begpacking is common in Southeast Asia and is a trend in South America and South Korea. Business tourism or business travel is a more limited and focused subset of regular tourism. During business tourism, traveling, individuals are still working and being paid, but are doing so away from both their workplace and home. Some definitions of tourism exclude business travel. However, the United Nations World Tourism Organization, UNWTO, defines tourists as people traveling to and staying in places outside their usual environment for not more than one consecutive year for leisure, business, and other purposes. Primary business tourism activities include meetings and attending conferences and exhibitions. Despite the term business in business tourism, when individuals from government or non-profit organizations engage in similar activities, this is still categorized as business tourism, travel. Historically, business tourism takes the form of traveling to, spending money, and staying abroad, being away for some time, and has a history as long as that of international trade. In late 20th century, business tourism was seen as a major industry. According to the 1998 data from the British Tourist Authority and London Tourist Board, business tourism accounted for about 14% of all trips to or within the UK and 15% of the tourist market within the UK. 
A 2005 estimate suggested that those numbers for UK may be closer to 30%. Sharma, 2004, cited a UNWTO estimated that business tourism accounts for 30% of international tourism, though its importance varies significantly between different countries. Compared to regular tourism, business tourism involves a smaller section of the population with different motivations and additional freedom of choice-limiting constraints imposed through the business aspects. Destinations of business tourism are much more likely to be areas significantly developed for business purposes, cities, industrial regions, etc. An average business tourist is more wealthy than an average leisure tourist and is expected to spend more money. Business tourism can be divided into primary and secondary activities. Primary ones are business work-related and included activities such as consultancy, inspections, and attending meetings. Secondary ones are related to tourism, leisure, and include activities such as dining out, recreation, shopping, sightseeing, meeting others for leisure activities, and so on. While the primary ones tend to be seen as more important, the secondary ones are nonetheless often described as substantial. Business tourism can involve individual and small group travel, and destinations can include small or larger meetings, including conventions and conferences, trade fairs, and exhibitions. In the U.S., about half of business tourism involves attending a large meeting of some kind. Most tourist facilities, such as airports, restaurants, and hotels, are shared between leisure and business tourists, though a seasonal difference is often apparent. For example, business tourism may use those facilities during times less attractive for leisure tourists, such as when the weather conditions are less attractive. Business tourism can be divided into traditional business traveling or meetings intended for face-to-face meetings with business partners in different locations, incentive trips, a job perk aimed at motivating employees. For example, approximately a third of UK companies use this strategy to motivate workers. Conference and exhibition traveling intended for attending large-scale meetings. In an estimated number of 14,000 conferences worldwide for 1994, primary destinations are Paris, London, Madrid, Geneva, Brussels, Washington, New York, Sydney, and Singapore. The words meetings, incentive, conferences, and exhibition in the context of business tourism are abbreviated as M-I-C-E, MICE. Tolkien tourism is a phenomenon of fans of the Lord of the Rings fictional universe, making media pilgrimages to sites of film and book-related significance. It is especially notable in New Zealand, site of the movie trilogy by Peter Jackson, where it is credited as having raised the annual tourism numbers. The Lord of the Rings film series by Peter Jackson, based on J.R.R. Tolkien's novel of the same name, were shot at locations throughout New Zealand. 
Many of these places have been preserved and altered to encourage the media pilgrimage tourism that makes up a significant portion of the country's economy. On some Lord of the Rings film location tours, tourists are provided time to indulge in cosplay and dress as characters from the books or films. New Zealand is in a unique position to capitalize on its scenery. Tolkien tourist attention is less geared towards visiting New Zealand's national parks and more focused on scenery that was used as backdrops in movies. For example, Mount Olympus, dramatic pillars of rock carved out by nature and time, sits in Kaurangi National Park near Nelson in a remote corner of the South Island. Since it featured the Fellowship of the Ring, the first of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Mount Olympus has become a spot for Tolkien tourists. Mount Sunday, a remote area west of the Canterbury Plains, upper reaches of the Rangitata Valley near Iran, served as the location of Edoras. Although no traces of the filming remain, complete day tour packages to it are available from Christchurch. Film New Zealand, the National Film Promotion Board, advertises that New Zealand offers an English-speaking, largely non-union workforce, along with a kaleidoscope of urban and rural landscapes. Experience New Zealand, home of the Middle Earth, urges Tourism New Zealand's website. And once tourists get there, they are invited to find film locations around New Zealand with a free Middle Earth map. Currently, New Zealand is negotiating with Peter Jackson and New Line Cinema, the film's producers, to construct a permanent Lord of the Rings museum for some of the 40,000 props and costumes now warehoused in New Zealand. Jan Howard Finder, the science fiction writer, has organized special hostel-based tours of New Zealand to see places filmed in Lord of the Rings. The annual tourist influx to New Zealand grew 40%, from 1.7 million in 2000 to 2.4 million in 2006, which some have attributed to be a large degree due to the Lord of the Rings phenomenon. 6% of international visitors cited the film as a reason for traveling to the country. You can argue that Lord of the Rings was the best unpaid advertisement that New Zealand has ever had, said Bruce Lahoud, United States and Canadian Regional Manager for Tourism New Zealand. An article published by the New York Times contradicts Lahoud, stating that New Zealand subsidized the movie trilogy by $150 million. Many experts and New Zealanders hoped for a renewed Tolkien effect because The Hobbit was also filmed in New Zealand. Whether or not this was vitally important to New Zealand's tourism industry was a big debating point during short-lived fears that industrial disputes could make the film production occur outside of the country. The government of New Zealand also saw some criticism for increasing movie subsidies and creating laws tailored for U.S. movie companies, solely out of fear of losing the production. Some have subsequently called the price of $25 million and further financial subsidies and specific laws made for the producer's benefit that New Zealand had to pay to the movie extortionate and argued that the discussion had occurred in a climate of hyperbole and hysteria.
an even higher price of at least $109 million has also been cited. Tolkien tourism has also existed to a lesser extent independent from the Jackson movies and other places associated with him. Tolkien worked for much of his career in Oxford, England. The colleges where Tolkien taught, the pubs that he and the Inklings frequented, the church he attended, and his former homes in the city all attract tourist interest. The Eagle and Child pub in particular capitalizes on Tolkien's former patronage in its signage and interior decoration. Agritourism or agrotourism involves any agriculturally based operation or activity that brings visitors to a farm or ranch. A 2018 article published in the Journal of Agriculture, Food Systems, and Community Development classified agritourism activities as falling into one or more categories direct to consumer sales, e.g., farm stands, UPIC, agricultural education, e.g., school visits to a farm, hospitality, overnight farm stays, recreation, hunting, horseback riding, and entertainment, hayrides, harvest dinners. Most agritourists spent time visiting farm stands, picking fruit or feeding animals. Others may navigate a corn maze or do a farm stay, assisting with chores or agricultural or or ranch work. Agricultural tourism has become a necessary means for many small farms' survival. By diversifying business operations, farm operators are able to ensure a more stable income. This is because agritourism activities can occur during times of the year that crops may not be in season and by providing a completely separate stream of income. Some studies have found that agritourism operations often benefit their surrounding communities by drawing tourists to the area. The economic boost by the increase in traffic can be beneficial to rural areas in need of diversified streams of income. Since 1985, agritourism in Italy is formally regulated by a state law, amended in 2006. Starting in 2013, Italy has used a sector trademark, Agriturismo Italia, accompanied by a new system of classification of farms with accommodation. The trademark, which distinguishes farms regularly operating in accordance with existing laws and regulations, shows a sunflower and closing a farm. The classification from one to five marks represents the level of comfort, the variety of services, and the quality of the natural environment that each farm is able to offer. This system was implemented by the Ministry of Agriculture in cooperation with all regional and national agritourism associations. The national system thus offers an overall guarantee which still takes account of specific regional characteristics. Through the small farm center at the University of California, agricultural tourism or agritourism is one alternative for improving the incomes and potential economic viability of small farms and rural communities. Some forms of agritourism enterprises are well developed in California including fairs and festivals. 
other possibilities still offer potential for development. The UC Small Farm Center has developed a California agritourism database that provides visitors and potential entrepreneurs with information about existing agritourism locations throughout the state. According to a 2011 article in the journal Tourism Planning and Development, agritourism has become economically important to the agricultural sector in northwest England as farmers seek to diversify their income streams. The development of agritourism was of high importance in the process of revitalization of rural life in Armenia. Apart from participation in agricultural activities and farming, some more notable activities specific to Armenia are winemaking and carpet weaving. There are also agricultural festivals and farmers' fairs organized every year, like the Dolma Festival, Barbecue, Koravats Festival. Gata Festival, and many more. 85% of India's population is directly or indirectly dependent on agriculture and allied activities. Similarly, agriculture accounts for 26% of India's GDP. Maharashtra and Kerala are the states in India that are taking advantage of the potential of agritourism. In Maharashtra, agritourism is promoted by the Agritourism Development Corporation. Katanad, Wayanad, Palakad, and Aduki are some of the important agricultural areas in Kerala. The Green Farm Project launched by the government of Kerala is aimed at promoting agritourism in Kerala. Apart from Kerala and Maharashtra, Negaland and Sikkim are also successful agritourism states. Pakistan is an agricultural country, and agriculture is a vital sector of Pakistan economy. People about 65% live in rural areas, and directly or indirectly relating to profession of agriculture. Agriculture of Pakistan accounts 21% of total GDP in the economy. Pakistan has good natural resources for agriculture, like well-fertile land, natural flow of water canals from north to south, includes dams, barrages, headwork, canals, and distribution channels, four seasons, hard workers, includes agro-based industries like poultry, fisheries, dairy, and livestock. Culinary tourism, or food tourism, or gastronomy tourism, is the exploration of food as the purpose of tourism. It is considered a vital component of the tourism experience. Dining out is common among tourists, and food is believed to rank alongside climate, accommodation, and scenery in importance to tourists. Culinary tourism became prominent in 2001 after Eric Wolf president of the World Food Travel Association, wrote a paper on the subject. Culinary or food tourism is the pursuit of unique and memorable eating and drinking experiences, both near and far. Culinary tourism differs from agritourism in that culinary tourism is considered a subset of cultural tourism. Cuisine is a manifestation of culture, whereas agritourism is considered a subset of rural tourism. But culinary tourism and agritourism are inextricably linked, 
as the seeds of cuisine can be found in agriculture. Culinary food tourism is not limited to gourmet food. Food tourism can be considered a subcategory of experiential travel. While many cities, regions, or countries are known for their food, culinary tourism is not limited by food culture. Every tourist eats about three times a day, making food one of the fundamental economic drivers of tourism. Countries like Ireland, Peru, and Canada are making a significant investment in culinary tourism development and are seeing results with visitors spending and overnight stays rising as a result of food tourism promotion and product development. Food tourism includes activities such as taking cooking classes, going on food or drink tours, attending food and beverage festivals, participating in specialty dining experiences, shopping at specialty retail stores, and visiting farms, markets, and producers. The World Food Travel Association estimates that food and beverage expenses account for 15% to 35% of all tourism spending, depending on the affordability of the destination. The WFTA lists possible food tourism benefits as including more visitors, more sales, more media attention, increased tax revenue, and greater community pride. A growing area of culinary tourism is cooking classes. The formats vary from a short lesson lasting a few hours to full-day and multi-day courses. The focus for foreign tourists will usually be on the cuisine of the country they are visiting, whereas local tourists may be keen to experience cuisines new to them. Many cooking classes also include market tours to enhance the cultural experience. Some cooking classes are held in local people's homes, allowing foreign tourists to capture a glimpse of what daily life and cuisine look like for those in the country they're visiting. Both the local hosts and foreign guests benefit from the cross-cultural experience. Food tours vary by locale and by operator. They are common in major cities such as London, Paris, Rome, Florence, Toronto, Kuala Lumpur, and Barcelona. June 10, 2017 was the first annual National Food Tour Day, celebrating food tourism around the world. The World Food Travel Association introduced World Food Travel Day on April 18, 2018, as a way to put the spotlight on how and why we travel to experience the world's culinary cultures. It is designed to bring awareness to both consumers and trade and support the association's mission to preserve and promote culinary cultures through hospitality and tourism. The day is celebrated all around the world every year on April 18th. Food tourism offers a multitude of benefits for travelers, including 1. Opportunities to try unique and authentic dishes. 2. Immersion into local or street food culture. 3 history and traditions behind the food we eat. 4. Supporting local economies by patronizing small businesses and food markets. Music tourism is the act of visiting a city or town to see a music festival or other music performances. 
This sort of tourism is particularly important to small villages such as Glastonbury, as well as large cities like Glasgow. The fairly recent jam band phenomenon is a contemporary example that encourages music tourism. Music festivals are visited by many tourists annually. The Artful Music Tourist Board is a movement started to celebrate this in 2003 by musicians and their friends at the Paradise Bar, now Royal Albert Pub in London, UK. There are a large number of music festivals held around the world, usually annually, that attract non-local visitors. The self-proclaimed largest music festival in the world is Summerfest, an 11-day event in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In 2019, the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival presented 12 stages and over 70 booths of Louisiana food. No two food booths serve the same cuisine. Attributed to the Wall Street Journal is that Jazz Fest showcases a wider, deeper lineup of essential American musical styles than any festival in the nation. New Orleans music tours are available by foot or transport to Congo Square where American music was born in the birthplace of jazz. New Orleans has been influential to American opera of the 1800s, rock and roll with Cosimo Matassa's recordings, and New Orleans rhythm and blues. The city is certainly one of the world's most diverse music tourism destinations. There are also a number of annual carnivals, events that include music, dancing, and street parties. Some major ones include Rio Carnival in Brazil, which attracts 500,000 foreign visitors annually, and the Salvador de Bahia Carnival, which is the largest street party and attracts crowds of up to 2 million people throughout its week-long duration. The Notting Hill Carnival, London, UK, is one of the largest street parties in Europe and attracts around 1 million people each year. The Love Parade, an electronic dance music festival in Germany held from 1989 to 2010, saw crowds of 1.6 million at its peak. There are hundreds of annual festivals celebrating jazz festivals around the world, with the largest, the Montreal International Jazz Festival, seeing 2.5 million attendees every year, one-third of whom are tourists. Overall, an estimated 10 million people travel internationally each year for the main purpose of watching or participating in a music or cultural festival. There are also some cities and areas that serve as year-round destinations for music-related travel, such as New Orleans, Beirut in Germany, Vienna in Austria, Axon Province in France, La Scala in Milan for opera and classical music, and Britain for rock music.